0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. A number of anti immigration protests took place over the weekend, um, including some where tents were set on fire in Dublin's inner city on Friday night. The main focus of the tension was in the Mount Street, Sandwich Street area in the city. Emergency accommodation for 500 asylum seekers is due to come on stream in the next few days to ensure shelter for these people. I'm joined on the line now by uh, Labour leader and TD for Dublin Bay South, Ivana Bacic, news reporter with the journal.ie, Eimear Macaulay and CEO of the Irish Refugee Council, Nick Henderson. And Emer, let me begin with you. For people unfamiliar with what occurred over the weekend, maybe you could detail the events for us.
1: Hi, Anton. Yes, no problem. So we saw protests on Thursday night in the first place um, in the Sandwith Street area where asylum seekers were living in tents for around two weeks. Um, And Gardy did attend that night, uh, but they said they had no formal complaints made. And then on Friday night, we had a situation where there was a large group of anti-immigration protesters on Sandwith Street. Uh, a large group of supporters of asylum seekers on Sandwith Street, and a wall of around twenty guardi in the middle. Um, I was there from around eight to ten PM that evening, and um, it was really tense. Uh, guardi were having abuse screamed in their faces. Uh, there were a lot of slurs and derogatory terms chanted, um, directed towards asylum seekers. And what happened was the um, the counter protest group got moved away by gardi and later in the night, um, anti the anti immigration protesters did set the tents on fire and rip down the makeshift shift shelf- shelters on the street. Uh, and then on Saturday, the following day, there were also uh, protests carried out by anti immigration protesters outside the International Protection Office.
0: Was it possible for you to assess? who it was that was making up the anti-immigration protest?
1: Yeah, so there was a group of recognisable far-right protesters who turn up to a lot of these protests there. There were people live streaming this. Uh, We know some of those live streams are monetised in various ways online. Uh, There were some locals there. I spoke to some locals particularly who were on the fringes of the protest who were just sort of of the view of oh my gosh, look at what's happening on my street. Um, And there was a group of sort of younger men there who seemed to be there in a sort of opportunist way to see if trouble was going to kick off. Um, And then there were also families there who had their children there on the street as well.
0: You said who were able to monetize this. Does that mean that there are people who are live streaming the abuse of immigrants and using it to earn money?
1: Yeah, there is. Uh, And you'll often see PayPal accounts linked under these live streams by the people who are doing it. Um, This happened on Thursday night and on Friday night, where they actually approached asylum seekers living in tents uh, and attempted to interview them and then asked them lots of very hostile questions. Uh, And the asylum seekers were saying, you don't have my consent to film me. And they were told, oh, you're on an Irish road, so I can do what I want. Um, so it is a really ag- aggressive and hostile situation. And we know that um, that asylum seekers have been told to move, that they've been threatened to have their tents burned down. And then we, we do know on Friday night that that also happened. But thankfully, there weren't any asylum seekers in the tents at that stage.
0: Nick Henderson is with us as well. He is chief executive of the Irish Refugee Council. Nick, it's hard to see a situation where refugees come to Ireland and find themselves living in a tented community in the centre of the city and then being filmed, being abused by groups like this. It's hard to see that as anything but a gross dereliction of our duty to them.
2: Yes, indeed. It's shocking and disgraceful and EMA has set out in in a very clear way uh, what happened. Uh, It it is of grave concern to us. Uh, We've been working with people who have been homeless since January, when this uh, issue began, and people have been robbed and assaulted, uh, in our experience, but what happened on Thursday, Friday, and then on Saturday is, is a severe deterioration. Uh, over January and February and March, people, in our experience, who were homeless, quite significant numbers, were scattered through the city uh, doing their best to keep their heads down but over the last month people have put up tents because they feel safer together and closer to the building uh, the international protection office to which their case has been lodged but that safety has now uh, gone away and people just by being together they're targeted uh, and their identity as Emer set out is shared Uh, So it's a grave concern, and let's also not forget that just several months ago, there were demonstrations outside various centers and locations where people were being accommodated, but there were walls and maybe a security guard separating people. What happened over the weekend at the end of last week was there was nothing separating people bar some activists who did their best and, and some guardian. Uh, the, there's no walls. People were just in tents. Um, so it's just, it's a, we could be talking about something completely different today and much, much worse. Thankfully, we're not. But it is a
0: situation that is most serious. Those who are expert in homelessness will usually say that people who are rough sleepers are that because either they have chosen to um, sleep rough rather than moving into hostels or because they may have issues to do with um, things like um, addiction or or mental health issues. Is the same true within the refugee cohort or are these people sleeping rough because there is nowhere else for them to go?
2: The majority of people, and it's now around 475, it reached around 580 people at the end of last week. Uh, those people are have arrived in Ireland over the last few months and made an international protection application. Uh, there is a legal obligation on the Irish state, which we voluntarily brought into Irish law to accommodate people where they don't have the means to do so. Uh, so they are people who are newly arrived in the country, who've tried, who have made an application for asylum and have been told at that point of making the application that there is no accommodation for, available to them. Uh, the majority of those people are, are men, but there's also been several couples, I understand old couples have been accommodated now, and also two or three single women, but they have also been accommodated. We're also working with another group of people, but this is a sort of separate group, but also experiencing similar issues who've been in direct provision accommodation, but for whatever reason have fallen out of it and are trying to get back into that accommodation. There's a long waiting list, but the the people, the, the vast majority, this 475 figure is people who've recently arrived in the country.
0: Ivana Bacic, the Labour leader and TD for Dublin Bay South is with us as well. Ivana, going back to what Emer outlined about the way that this is being live streamed and the way that footage of of the um, actions taken by the anti-immigrant protesters were uh, put up online. That would suggest that this is going to gain momentum, that the longer that we have refugees on the streets, the more likely we will see this kind of thing happen again. Is that your view?
3: Well, good morning Anton and thank you for inviting me on. And first of all, just to express my utter condemnation of the horrific actions by a small number of far-right activists in burning tents and causing damage and intimidation in and around the Mount Street area to those sleeping in, forced to sleep in tents over the weekend. It was appalling to see. I was down there myself on Saturday morning. I met with some of the individuals who are in tents and I heard from them about, you know, their distress at the experience. I mean, it is, you know, I'm listening to, to Nick and Emer and they're quite right, of course, it is in an in Immense relief that nobody was injured. You know, and I have been in touch with the Guardian myself on Friday and again on Saturday. And I know they, you know, they were doing their best, but they need to do more to ensure the safety of those forced to live in tents in this way. So it was appalling to see it. You know, you ask about, you know, will there be now a momentum for the far right? I do hope not, Anton. In fact, I had raised this with the Taoiseach last Tuesday in the doll indeed, before there was any of this awful protest by the far right, because I was so concerned, deeply concerned, to see individuals forced to sleep in tents tents outside the International Protection Office on Mount Street in my own constituency. You know, it is shocking that we can't accommodate, that we didn't seem as a state, as a wealthy state, to be able to accommodate relatively small numbers of people who are coming here seeking refuge. And I was very relieved to be assured by the Taoiseach and again by Minister O'Gorman on Friday and Saturday that there would be significant additional accommodation available this week and that people would no longer be forced to sleep on the street. So I'm calling on government now today to ensure that people are not forced to sleep on the street those I spoke with on Saturday just told me all they want is to be able to see their applications process, they want to be able to work here, they want to be able to contribute their skills and their expertise and their talent and we need them. So you know, it, it, it's not it's not right that people should be forced to sleep in the streets in this way. It's appalling to see a small number of orchestrated far-right activists engaging in intimidation and damage, uh, you know, and in, they're intent on creating hostility but you know, I think the Irish people are better than that. I think there's been huge solidarity huge welcome shown to those who've come here seeking refuge from Ukraine and elsewhere. And I don't think these protests will gather momentum. Although
0: if you wanted to create a flashpoint, it would be hard to find a better way than at the point at which there had already been protests, allowing a situation to develop where you have a tented ghetto of people sleeping rough in the centre of Dublin City. I mean, that's designed to, to act as a nodal point for this kind of action, isn't it?
3: Well, I think it's appalling to see uh, any numbers of people forced to sleep in tents in this way. You know, I went down around the encampment, both on Mount Street itself and in around Sandwich Street. And it's not, again, it's just not right, it's not fair, and it's not a compassionate way to treat people. And I must say, Anton, I've had extensive engagement with local, obviously with local community groups and local residents myself too, as the local TD, and they have shown huge compassion. You know, your heart would go out to anyone who's forced to sleep in the street in this way, who who just wants to be, to see their applications properly. Process. You've come here seeking refuge. Uh, and so I think the local community have been really good and really positive. And again, as I say, there is just a small number of far right activists who are trying to orchestrate um, a sort of hostility. But it's a hostility that is not there generally in the local community and that's very important to say there's been huge welcome in and around Mount Street and Pier Street in you know where we have seen and um, um, numbers housed in hotels and so on and there's been you know such a welcome shown so I, I don't think this represent this you know this awful behaviour we saw at the weekend from the far right this does not represent the vast majority of people either in the local community in my own constituency or indeed across the country.
0: Ivana Batchik, thank you very much. That's Ivana Batchik, Labour Leader and TD for Dublin Bay South. Emer Macaulay from the Journal, to go back to you. That issue that Ivana raises, that th- this is a, a small number of far-right protesters and is not representative of either the general view or the local community. Whenever that gets asserted, you see on social media and you see on texts to programmes like this, people saying, no, this isn't just a small number of far-right, this is representative, this is actually grassroots. You were there among the people who started all of this. Is it a small number of the far right or is it bigger than that? Uh,
1: I think there is a small number of the far right who are acting as agitators in this situation. And then there are local communities who have genuine grievances when it comes to housing. Um, And I think when you have the government only stepping into situations like this three days Later, from when we saw the first protests carry out, you're kind of leaving a vacuum there where those far right agitators can come in uh, and offer rhetoric and and offer a way for people to um, vent their anxieties. And I don't think they're being offered much to counter that at the moment. Um, So I think that's the situation that we're seeing unfolding, where you have these far right agitators going into these communities and organizing these protests through social media and you know I think that we have to be realistic that there is a risk that this is going to go on you know these protests have built up in recent months and uh, I, I think you're right in saying that this provides a flash point to them unfortunately it provides a flashpoint that's to the risk of asylum seekers who are living in tents and who are really vulnerable in this situation right now.
0: Eimear, thank you for your time this morning. That's Emer McCauley, news reporter with the journal.ie and Nick Henderson, CEO of the Irish Refugee Council. To finish with you, the, the processing of these people's applications, to what extent are issues like we saw over the weekend contributed by to, by how long those processing take?
2: They're not really connected necessarily. Uh, somebody who is homeless, and we've drawn this to the attention of government, but somebody who is homeless is still being required to participate in, in the international protection application process. Uh, we've recommended to government that they be given the option. Somebody be given the option of pausing their asylum application because being homeless is plainly not an uh, appropriate uh, accommodation or, or situation for somebody to be in when they're going through such an important part of their claim but they're not necessarily connected. Now, we have long, long advocated for a reduction in the waiting times for asylum decision-making in Ireland. Uh, it, it, we did a report on this two years ago. At, at its worst, particularly at the back end of COVID, it was almost two, more than two years. Now, the International Protection Office have taken steps in November to drastically reduce that decision-making time. And if you're from a safe country of origin, your claim on the current figures that we, the most recent figures we saw, it could be as short as one month. Now uh, we have criticised the changes introduced in November is removing practical access to legal advice that may sound like we're trying to have our cake and eat it but it's not we are saying that there should be a balance between you can't delays and no good for anybody but a fast track process that removes somebody's access to legal advice and supports is also not not appropriate but there are a significant number of cases still backlogged at the international protection office But I think it really comes down to, to accommodation in, in this current situation of people being homeless.
0: CEO of the Irish Refugee Council, Nick Henderson, thank you. The Pat
3: Kenny Show. With Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.